Well, I first want to pause and thank all of you, everyone, especially our leaders that uh, made 2022 possible and made this Christmas season possible. I want to give a special shout out to all of our IT, worship team, uh, ushers, welcome team, anybody else I'm missing that were that made it possible for us to worship today and Christmas Day. Let them know you love them and you appreciate them coming out on those special days so that you and I could worship together. We appreciate that so much. Appreciate it so much. And all the hard work behind the scenes that goes into what you and I get to enjoy, uh, a, a special night of Christmas music, the Christmas services, all those things that go into that. Thank them. We appreciate them so much for that. Uh, next Sunday morning, we'll talk about who we're going to be in 2023 as we look at the church in the next in this coming year. Uh, this morning, I want to zero in on us a little bit, on you and I personally, as we leave behind 2022 and look forward to 2023. As I've already said earlier, maybe for you, 2022 was the best year ever, or maybe it was the worst year ever. Or maybe you're still trying to find out what it was. The conclusion hasn't happened yet. The good news to keep in mind is that God never changes. God never changes. He's never surprised. He's, he doesn't forsake you. He doesn't leave you behind. He knows what's coming and what's coming next. And something I want you to tuck away this morning as we're talking is very simply this. It's always better to follow God into the future than it is to stay stuck in the past. It's always better to follow God into the future than it is to stay stuck in the past. Did you make any New Year's resolutions? Okay. And notice I didn't ask you if, you're, if you fulfilled your 2022 resolutions. Let's not go there. Uh, you know, it's interesting. When we, what we mean by New Year's resolutions, when we make resolutions, what we're saying is, on the front end of the new year, we resolve to do certain things through the year. In other words, we make commitments, fresh commitments, and that's a good thing. It is a good thing. But you know, that's almost the only way, the only time that that term resolution is used that way. On the front end, that is, I'm making a commitment, I have a duty, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Because typically the term resolution refers to what's on, what the result is, a resolution. Uh, as an example, in, in music, it, a resolution is bringing harmony out of dissonance. It's bringing simplicity out of complexity. And in fact, if you look up the term in the dictionary, it'll always say, just about every dictionary will say something about bringing simplicity out of complexity. That's what a resolution is. In chemistry, it's taking the separate elements and bringing them together, the complexity into simplicity. In, in art, in writing, in stories, in movies, the resolution is the end result that brings everything to a conclusion. It's bringing all those complex parts into simplicity. That's a resolution. Think about this for a minute. We make resolutions. We want to be better. We make fresh commitments. We make resolutions God brings resolution. God brings simplicity and order and meaning out of your complicated, messy life. 
when you yield it to Him. You're thinking about the front end of 2023. God already knows where He wants you to be at the end of 2023. God knows what He's going to do in your life if you will trust Him and you will yield to Him. If you'll give Him the mess, give Him the victories, give it all to Him. While you're making resolutions, God will bring about a resolution. That's what faith is all about. Faith is trusting God for what we do not see. It's trusting God that at the end of this year, He has a resolution that will bring simplicity and order and harmony to your mess and your complexity. Because that's what God does. And that's who God is. And that's what we find out when we trust God. If you have your Bible with you, pick it up and find with me, uh, for us, a very familiar passage of Scripture, the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 43. We have visited this passage in the past on occasions just like this when we're talking about new beginnings to remind us of God's perspective on our new beginning and to remind us of some things we need to remember as we begin, in this case, a brand new year. Now, let me give you a little background to the story. Isaiah 43 is the prophet Isaiah bringing God's word. We're going to read him bringing God's word to God's people who are in captivity in Babylon. Now, they've been in captivity long enough that the first generation that was taken into captivity has died out. And God is telling the next generations that he's still going to bring them home to Jerusalem. He's going to bring them back to their homeland. Now, they've heard the stories of how God set his people free from Egypt. They've heard the stories of how God worked in the past generations. And they believe that history and they believe those stories to be true. But here they are, captive in Babylon, slaves actually in Babylon, and they're thinking in their minds, well, you know what, I'm not really sure I want to risk it. Uh, sure, I'd like to leave Babylon, I'd like to go home, but going home means I've got to go through a dangerous wilderness with wild animals and bandits, and then I've got to cross into the desert area where there's no water, no provision. So... Could it be that I'm better off as a slave in Babylon than I am trying to travel home to a land I've never seen? These, these are people that were born and raised in Babylon. Without even realizing it, maybe, they're echoing their ancestors in Egypt who asked the same question. Well, now, wait a minute. Wouldn't we be better off being secure and fed and watered as captives in Egypt than we are crossing the desert and into the unknown? And Isaiah's answer is the same thing that Moses' answer was. It's always better to follow God into the future than it is to stay stuck in the past. Maybe you're feeling it a little bit. You got one foot in and the other foot's not quite out. You think, I don't know, God, if I want to launch into the unknown or not. I don't know if I want to follow you in faith. Maybe I just want to focus on what I can fix. And even though God is consistently asking you, how's that going for you? But God's calling you out to trust him for 2023. And you know that he is. You got one foot in 2022, one foot working toward 2023, and you're Saying, God, I'm just not sure. Maybe there's some dangerous stuff. Maybe there's some hazards along the way. There's certainly unknown things if I follow God into the future. See, always remember, it's not about your circumstances. It's about the God that leads you through the circumstances. 
That's what matters. And we're going to read this passage of Scripture as Isaiah speaks God's Word to the people of God about this call to move forward to the unknown, to the future they're not so sure about, this, this call to follow Him into the future and leave that past However comfortable they may think it is, they're still captives to the past and it's time to move forward. Isaiah 43 and verse 18. Verse 18, the Bible says, God speaking through Isaiah, do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Look, I'm about to do something new. Even now, it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, wild animals, jackals, and ostriches, will honor me because I provide water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people I formed for myself will declare my praise. Come on, he says to his people, follow me into the future. That's always better than staying stuck in the past. God's calling out to you and to me. Trust me for 2023. Maybe 2022 wasn't so great. Or maybe you loved it so much you'd like to keep one foot there. God says, follow me into the future. That's what I want you to do. This morning I want you to see with me three things and in this passage that underscore for us that it's always better to follow God into the future than it is to stay stuck in the past. Three things. Look at this with me. The first thing to see is the problem with dwelling in the past. The problem with dwelling in the past. The, the real issue, the real problem that arises when we stay stuck in the past. And it doesn't have to be physically. You know that. We're applying this to, to the way we behave emotionally. We're applying this to whether or not we believe God has forgiven our sins and maybe we've had a rough past. We're, we're applying this even to the good things that happened in the past. The problem with dwelling in the past. Now we picked up reading at verse 18. The two verses before that, verse 16 and 17, is Isaiah speaking and getting ready to talk about, to, to speak the words that we just read, the word of God himself through Isaiah. So first Isaiah says to the, to the people he's talking to, oh, don't you remember the stories? You've heard the stories of how God led the, the people of God freed them from Egypt, how God parted the Red Sea. It's a story that was told and retold and told and retold so the people of God would always remember that God would free them, would liberate them, would come for them, would, would lead them out. And Isaiah says, you remember those stories, right? And they all said, yeah, we can also hear them. Oh, yes, it's wonderful. And then he says in verse 18, stop it. That's what he says, stop it. Stop remembering the things of the past. Now, wait a minute. That's a good thing. It is a good thing unless you get stuck there. So you can get stuck in the past two ways. The first one is, it's very common, we don't really believe God has forgiven us. We don't really believe God has set us free. We don't really believe that we are free of our guilt, our shame, our addiction. We don't believe that we're good enough for God. We keep looking behind us and saying, but God, how can you love me if I had done that? How can you love me? How can you free me? How can this be true? Is there really a future for me? And that's a, a way many of us get stuck in the past. But a lot of times we don't realize the second way we get stuck in the past is nostalgia. Oh, I sure do wish things were like that. You remember when that happened? You remember when that happened? And church people do it a lot. You remember when we did that at church? Remember when we did that at church? 
We get anchored in the past. Those are good things. Here's the problem with that. God didn't do those things because that was all He was going to do. God did those things so you would know He could do greater things. See, the reason God gives us a memory of His great work is not so we get nostalgic and stuck in the past. It's so we say, okay, if God did that, then I'll trust Him for this. Because God's objective is to do greater things than you could ever ask or imagine. His objective is for you to see Him work in the future. And think of this. Let this settle in for a minute. The greatest thing you ever saw God do in your life or in your church or in your family or in your community, the greatest thing, think of that right now, the most wonderful thing He ever did, whether it was forgiving you of your sins, whether it was your your children or your grandchildren being born again in Christ, whether it was the growth of the church, whether it was a move in the community, the greatest thing, the thing you loved the most, God did, He can do something greater. He just wants to know if you're on board. So when you say to him, oh God, do that again. He says, stop it. Stop remembering that. We're moving forward. There are greater things in life. You have no idea, God says, what I can do. If you move forward with me into the future. The problem with dwelling on the past, either way, whether it's because we don't believe God for his forgiveness, or because we're nostalgic about the good things, The problem is it convinces us God can't do anything else. And we find ourselves stuck in the past. Is that you? Either version. See, being stuck in the past can be being stuck on bad things and being stuck on good things. So ask yourself this morning, let the Lord speak to your heart. Is that you? If it is, Give that to him. Confess that to him. Say, God, I'm sorry. I want to see greater things. I want to see you do greater things. Secondly, I want you to see this with me. Not only the problem of of dwelling in the past, but the promise of looking to the future. The promise of looking to the future. God says in verse 19, Look, I'm about to do something new. Even now, it is coming. Do you not see it? Look over there. Do you not see God at work? I'm about to do something brand new, God says. There's a promise there. All of that phrase is in present active tense. It more literally means, I am doing something new. Do you not see it now? Are you not looking at it now? See me doing something new, God says, and I'm doing it right now. It's a reminder that God is always at work. God doesn't start the new year today going, you know what, I wonder what I should do in Bob's life. I'm trying to work that out. No, no, no. God's been working in Bob's life moving forward, and God is always moving forward. God is always intentional. God is always proactive. That's his nature, and God is always at work. That's why Jesus would say in John chapter 6, I'm just looking for what God the Father's doing. That's what I get involved in. What do you guys do? You go about your busy lives, you're very religious, all well and good, but I look for what God is doing because the Father is always proactive, always intentional, always at work. I get involved in what He's doing. That's where I want to be. The promise, God says, of looking to the future is you get to see God work. And you're seeing it now. Now, let's park on that term seeing because this differentiates a bit between 
the way, the way we think and the what God, how God wants us to think. The way we typically think is a term like looking to the future and seeing always means with physical eyes. I need to see God do in my circumstances what I want God to do. And that's how, that's how we pray. That's where we park on that. I want to see God do in my circumstances what I want God to do. But the terminology, the word translated here, and the idea throughout Scripture, by see means perceive. Do you perceive by faith God at work? Your spiritual eyesight is your faith. Do you perceive God at work? Look, God says, do you see, perceive God at work? Well, the only way you're going to see and perceive God at work is if you know God. You know how He behaves. You know how to see what God is doing. And this is a critical distinction, folks. This is one of the main reasons that a lot of believers get frustrated with prayer and with what God is doing and often drop away. It's because they're looking for God to work the way they see, the way they think God. But God's teaching us in His Word the way He behaves. You've got to know Him to know how He behaves. And when you know how He behaves, you can perceive His, Him at work. I'll give you a good example. Frequently, and naturally, as a pastor, someone will call me up and say, hey, can I come and talk to you? And a lot of times these are folks, maybe they haven't been in church a long time, maybe they're wrestling with things of God, maybe they're dealing with spiritual matters, and they come to sit down and talk to me, and they start talking about it. And at some point they might say, I just don't know what God's doing. I don't know what God wants me to do or if God's working. And I, and I usually say, I certainly sympathize with that, but pay attention, because this is how I see it. How I see it is, the reason we're having this conversation, the reason you were led to call me to have a spiritual conversation is because God is at work in your life. And God is ready for you to see him at work in your life to move him forward, to move you forward in what he wants. See what I mean? It's a matter of understanding the way God works. And then with those, that spiritual insight, that faith, you start going, oh, okay, God is, is working in this. God is going to do something new. So God says to the people of God, don't worry about the wilderness. I'll cut a path through it. You'll be okay. And don't worry about the desert. I'm going to spring up water in the desert where it wasn't before. Because if I call you forward into the future, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. Do you know the Bible teaches when it talks about provision that God has already provided for you when you arrive where you're going. On this end, you're going, well, I don't know, God. I don't know how you're going to tell you. What am I going to do about this, that? God said, well, I've already taken care of that, but you've got to get there to see it. You've got to trust me enough to walk this path. It might take you through a little bit of wilderness, but you've got to leave that boundary where you feel so safe, and you've got to start following God to find out what he's going to do. See, he says, I'm already working. Don't you see it? Look at those eyes of faith. He says, don't you see it? Don't you see God already at work? Follow him into the future. That's always better than staying stuck in the past, isn't it? So we see the, the problem of dwelling in the past is we miss what God's going to do. We see the promise of looking to the future is we get to see what God's going to do and what God wants to do in our lives. And then the third thing I want you to see with me is the purpose of seeing God's provision. The purpose of seeing God's provision. The purpose of knowing that God is going to take care of you as you launch with him into 2000, 
and 23, the, the purpose of seeing his provision. The last two verses we read sizzle with praise. And God is excited about this as he speaks through Isaiah the prophet. Did you know God gets excited about his people praising him for what he is doing and what he's going to do? Because God's not interested in you and I seeing what we can do, how good we are. God is interested in you seeing what he can do, trusting him for the next thing he wants to do. So he says, listen, he says, not only am I going to cut a swath through the wilderness, a path for you, and provide rivers in the desert, wild animals, jackals, ostriches are going to be amazed at what I have done for the people of God. They're going to praise God. You know, the best thing for our culture is to let Christians be Christians following God. The whole culture benefits when the people of God trust God and do what God wants. We see God work, and the whole culture benefits. All of nature benefits, God says, and they will be excited and they will praise God when they see God at work for His people. When they see the very things that you're afraid of, God says, the very things that you fear following Him into the future will turn around and praise God because the purpose of all this is not to demonstrate how great we are, but for God to show up, to draw people to Him, to point the finger at Jesus Christ, for God to be honored and glorified in everything that He does. And He does that through you. Does that mean everything is going to be easy? No, you might still have to take a path through the wilderness, but you know what? He will provide for you. And when He does, be sure to praise Him for that. Be sure to honor and glorify God. Don't stand up in your house and go, look how good I am. I did such a great job. No. Praise God for it. Watch God work. See what God wants to do. One of my favorite stories in the book of Acts. The church is new. The Holy Spirit's come and, 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 and believers have launched and they're spreading the gospel and they're so excited. They're in Jerusalem. John and Peter go up to the temple to worship, which is what all Jews did. And they were Jews. Now they're Christians, but they were Jews to go up to the temple to worship. As they're coming in, <clears throat> there's a crippled man at the gate begging for alms. And we learn in the story that he's been crippled since birth and now he's more than 40 years old. This is the only life he's ever known. And it's the only way anyone has ever known him. Now notice where he's positioned. He's right here at the temple of God and the people of God pass by. And for 40 years he's cried out for alms and for 40 years what they have done is they provided for him by giving him an offering, alms, a little bit of change, loose change, whatever they might have, while they go in and they worship God. Peter and John come along, and he cries out, and this is how, how in those days you would know the beggar was there. They would cry out with a loud voice, alms, alms. So they hear the cry, and the, and the rush of people into the temple, and they go over to him, and they ask him, what, what do you want? He says, just, you know, a little loose change. And Peter and John look at him, and although they don't say it in the text, it's kind of there. Is that the only option you think God has for you? Do you really think God is out of options? See, they see through spiritual eyes, and they say, we don't have any money, but we have something a lot better. Your life's about to change. You get to see God work. 
And this is happening today, not because we're great, but because God brought us here. We, we recognize that we are here for this purpose. We see it, perceive it through spiritual eyes. And this is not about you getting some loose change. This is about your life being changed, you being healed, so you can glorify God. And everybody that's known you for 40 years will go, oh, God does heal people. God does change lives. Religious people toss loose money at the problems. They try to fix it themselves. People who see God work and see through spiritual eyes, they say, no, no, no. God's not out of options. Let's see what God's going to do. Let's see what God's going to do. Somehow, uh, this past fall, I'm not really sure when or how this happened, and uh, my wife will be really blessed that I told you the story. Um, I decided to do a crossword puzzle. Now, I love words, clearly. I talk for a living. And I like to write. been doing that all my life. But I've never done crossword puzzles. Just never been captured by them. Don't do Sudoku. I don't do Wordle. And I just, just never have been interested. But that day, I sat down and, and opened USA Today's crossword puzzle of the day. And I was hooked. So every day I did a USA Today crossword puzzle of the day until USA Today said, you know what, you need to start paying for this. <laughs> and I said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. So I went and got me an app, a crossword puzzle app, and I just plow through the, the ads. I don't, I don't worry about that. Do the free app. I do crossword puzzle after crossword puzzle. Some of you are nodding your head. You're hooked, aren't you? Did you know there are YouTube videos to tell you how to do a crossword puzzle? I didn't really think that was necessary. But there are. And universally, they tell you, start with the small words first. And that's true. You start with the small words. Cat. Dad. Mom. Those little three-letter words, you, you zip along, you, you get all those plugged in, because once you get the small words plugged in, you can go back and get the, get the four-letter words, then the five-letter words. And eventually what happens is, the longer, more complicated words just emerge in front of you. And pretty soon, you've got the whole puzzle filled in. And if you're like me, you click that little button to start another one. And there's something staring you in the face when you do a crossword puzzle on an app like that, or really in any, in any environment, whether you do it on a page, on an app, on the internet. And it's the fact that the puzzle maker already knows what the puzzle looks like when it'll be fully filled in. That puzzle maker is the only one that, that started with the whole puzzle filled in. And, and the puzzle maker knows what those three little, what the three-letter words are, the little words that bring you to the four-letter words and the five-letter words, and, and pretty soon the more complicated words start to fill in. But the puzzle maker already knew what, what all that was before you ever got the blank puzzle. When you get it, it's a blank puzzle, but to the puzzle, puzzle maker, it's already filled in. Sound familiar? That's called resolution. That's called conclusion. That's called God saying, trust me for this. Okay, God, I trust you. Then, then trust me for this. There's a few more letters in this word. Trust me for this. And a little bigger thing I'm going to ask you to trust me. Okay, trust me for this. Well, God, I, I trust you. It's just a little hard. I got one foot in, one foot out. And he says, well, come on. Follow me into the future. That's better than being stuck in the past. And lo and behold... That comes clear too. And you say, God, you are not out of options. 
You did do something new. I trusted you for the small things. I trusted you for the next thing. And I trusted you for the next thing. And God says, well, you have no idea what's coming up. You cannot ask or imagine. Bigger than God can act in your life. Trust me for what comes next, God says. Because he knows how the whole thing is going to come out. Bringing simplicity and order and harmony out of your complexity, your mess, and your disorder. Trust him. Trust him. Because following him into the future is a whole lot better than staying stuck in the past. So this morning, I'm going to pray for us. But I'm going to ask you a few things first to get real with God on a few things. And one of those is, are you letting the bad things keep you stuck in the past? Do you not believe that he's forgiven you? That he's washed your guilt away? That the blood of Christ was sufficient? If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, that he's done that. So will you trust him with that today? Will you leave that in the past? And, but maybe it's the good things that have you anchored in the past. You, you want God to do that again. But does God say into your heart, no, I've got other things I want to do but I want you to trust me for whatever comes next. Are you holding back because you're afraid of what lies ahead in the wilderness or in the desert? Will you, will you trust God to provide for you? Will you praise God for what he's doing in your life right now? You face a brand new year. You face some brand new problems. You probably face some old problems that you carried over with you. God knows all that. So here's the question. Who told you God was out of options? Who told you God didn't have anything else that he could do? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Nobody looking around. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And if you find yourself first in that category, you're, you're stuck in the past and you realize why. Maybe it's the bad things, maybe it's the good things. I want to pray for you that you would leave that past behind and trust God for what lies ahead. Will you raise your hand up where you are? Good, good, thank you. Put your hand down. And maybe there's something else on your heart. God knows what it is. You know what it is. There's a prayer on your heart, a request for 2023. You want to see God do something new and you realize he's not out of options and you want to lift that up to him. Raise your hand right where you are as well. Let's lift that up to him. Thank you so much. Hands down. I'm going to pray for us, for you here and at home. I'm also going to pray for you if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. A simple prayer that I pray a lot, inviting you to pray that prayer in your heart and faith with me to put your faith and trust in Christ today. Heavenly Father, you know who we are. You know our hearts, God. You know our minds. You know our struggles, our worries. You know what 2022 was like. And God, we come before you with, that, with our pain, with our problems, with our struggles. We come before you with our unwillingness to move forward. We come before you, God, with the bad and the good that anchors us in the past. And come before you, God, asking your forgiveness. Father, I ask your forgiveness for us who are stuck in the past, God. Uh, we know, Father, that memories are good things. Help us to hold on to those good memories, but not as anchors to the past, God. Lead us into the future. We commit today to follow you into the future. Whatever you have for us in 2023, God, we want to be a part of that. We want to see you work. And God, we believe you for new things that lie ahead. And Father, I pray for all of us, God, who would say, 
there's something on my heart. I just yield that to God today. Something I confess to God today. Something I'm concerned about. Something I carry with me into 2023. I yield that to God today. Father, my prayer for all of us that you would lift that burden right now. We would know you are at work in our hearts right now. You would surprise us, God, with the great work of God. But God, bolster our faith, strengthen our commitment, renew our resolve to see your resolution at the end of this year. We look forward, God, to what you are going to do in our lives, in our problems, in our situations, God. We look forward to what you're going to do. God, thank you so much that in Christ we have hope. In Christ we have hope. No matter what 2022 was like, there is always hope in Christ. You're never out of options. And Father, I pray for that one here or at home. They realize today they've never trusted Christ as their Savior. And they want to start this year fresh in a right relationship with their God through Jesus Christ. Confessing they are sinners, God, believing Jesus died on the cross for them. So God, I pray this prayer. If it's on their hearts today, here or at home, I pray this prayer and that they would trust Christ in this prayer as well. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I can't save myself. Jesus, I realize I've been trying to be good all on my own and I'm locked into old ways and old ways of doing things. God, forgive me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me and that you're alive today. Jesus, I repent of my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner and I repent of my sins and put those in the past. So Jesus, come into my heart, into my life. God, forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit that I might follow Christ all the days of my life. Father, for all of us, we start this day fresh. We start this year fresh. Praising you, God, for all that you do and looking forward to what you're going to do in Christ. Or it's in his precious name we pray.